Yeah. Hey, welcome to episode 35. I, I don't even know, lost track, but of the Draft Champions podcast. I'm Zach. I'm here with John L at MLB Moving AVG. What's up? so pumped for baseball i'm coming out of my chair <laughs> I'm, pumped, I'm pumped for this week you know this is my third um new yorker in the last three days so we had mike the mouth and then we had matt modica and now we have johnny so it's tough acts to follow for me you know what this is like if i'm gonna get back into it because we i, I wasn't as focused as most people were over the last couple months for whatever reasons but uh, if I'm going to come back, I'm going to come back with uh, those three boys. You guys are my boys. Like, got all these guys, you, John, and Matt, all straight shooters. Like, well, everyone knows um, what's the name. Mike the Mouth. He's, he, he, he says what's on his mind. And um, Matt, um, actually, um, before, we get, uh, before we start the podcast, I actually forgot. I wanted to bring it up with him because he had a little, he had a little um, exchange on Twitter and got some, he got some backlash from some, I guess, some notable names but you know I, I respect Matt a ton and I'll, I'll I'll side with him until the end because he he doesn't back down with, from what he says and if he says something and there's just so much like so much tiptoeing lately and and I I just I just want to say I just wanted to tell him that I forgot when he was on I respect the hell out of him for for what he says and and how he goes about himself and and for that I'll always I'll always be loyal to to him for against anything so I'm just, I'm just, I just want to, I'm just glad I'm got I'm speaking to a couple of people that speak their minds and, and uh, don't, and don't pussyfoot around anything. So we got a We got a third guy here today, Johnny, what's up? Yeah. Well, I think what you're talking about is, is especially pertinent, right? With uh, independence day looming and we just had a uh, Canada day. So, uh, you know, polish your finest moose or meese. Um, but no, Zach, all kidding aside, I think what you're talking about is, is really important. And um, w- without taking a, a side, I think it's important that people um, share their expressions and, and their ideas. And I think that's, you know, one of the uh, tenets of American ideology, right? It's at the bedrock of what we believe in, the foundation, you know, of this, of this great nation is, is that we're supposed to disagree, people. It's okay. Get out there, you know, and disagree. Um, the thing I disagree with is, is the reactions a lot of times. I wish people were were able to settle differences and move beyond it, maybe try and see more of what their opposition was trying to relay to them. And, you know, maybe try and meet in the middle a little bit, but especially for social media, that might be some well-wishing. Yeah, I think it's, it's easy. It's easy to to take a strong stance on social media because you don't have to look somebody in the eye, right? I think uh, a lot of times you'll have people that are just keyboard warriors and can. Yeah, I think a lot gets lost in inflection also. I know yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so like I, I always try and curb the cursing and stuff because it can come off really mean. And you know what? It's just where I'm from. Like that's, that's usually a sign of endearment here. So like if anyone follows me on Twitter, or hopefully everyone is following me on Twitter, um, you know, I keep it pretty clean. I keep it business. I keep it, you know. Yeah, and, and myself, I'm – I don't, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm a freelancer with draft champagne is just its own thing. So I'm not, I'm not making money. So you know what? I'm not, I'm not beholden to anyone. So I can say whatever the fuck I want to say. And, and it, but of course I want to keep my own personal reputation with my, within my friends, people that I consider friends like yourself. I like all, 
basically my consideration is, hey, John, I still want you to like me. That's all I care about. Well, you're yeah. going to have a hard time losing me as a friend okay. as long as you stick to your resolve, man. If we go, yeah. I'm telling you, there, there could be just about anything you and I could disagree on, and I know I can get past it. I, don't, I just don't hold grudges. Life is too short. I think my kids kind of softened me. I was a bit more of a... I was more of a of a tough nut to crack when I was young. You're a big soft. You're a big soft. Well, yeah, I'm soft in the middle now, man. You know what? Like I'm saying, life is short, and the days with smiles are more fun. You know. Well, let's uh, let's start uh, looking at some softballs here, some baseball. Um, so, sixty games. Got a new DC strategy. Um, I guess I, I, you know, and I'm sort of. I apologize to anyone listening, uh, if there's anyone listening. But um, I'm sort of. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I've already repeated myself a little bit when we had Mike and then Matt and then now John. Like we're going through like really the same agenda. But I think everyone wants to hear. What, they don't care about what I think, and I might repeat myself because obviously I have the same opinion um, yesterday and the day before. But um, they, I think they want to hear what you guys think about these things. So uh, it might be a little bit repetitive these last three episodes. But I think they're. I think it's definitely things people want to listen to um nfbc decision so i've said i'll just quickly say what i said i said i'm good with their decision uh love love the nfbc love greg love tom love Derek. great great guys i think the the decision they made was uh, the best the best uh, one of the best things they could have made for everyone um however the, my one thing I, I did say was i was surprised that they they held the dcs the draft champions kept those alive and they killed off the rotor wires i thought it'd been the opposite because you can work the waiver wire and the rotor and the rotor wire on lines um i don't know just surprised by that but overall i'm i'm good with their decision well i i'm the other way i really disagree pretty strongly with it but at the same token that doesn't change how i feel about those guys and the product i think they're aces the great guys it's my favorite platform to play on and i'm going to continue playing on it you know just because i disagree with them i don't think it's malicious i think they're in a very tough spot and it is what it is you know listen uh, as a handicapper you know I, I try not to get mad about money once i put it on the table that's usually uh you know a road to ruin right this was such a such an extenuating circumstance that i'm just not going to fault anybody any money that i consider lost or wasted or whatever it, it just is what it is um here are my two specific issues, and then, and then we could just leave it where it is. My first beef was, regardless of outcome, I would have preferred an equal application um, of the refund, meaning either let it all play or don't let it play, because then at least it's the same for everybody. Then, since they didn't do that, I ended up disagreeing with the path that they took where they tried to give a reason. And to me, I don't know, it felt like a government press statement where like you, you kind of get this official release that explains itself, but you totally disagree with it at its fundamental core. So it doesn't really satisfy you. And yeah, you kind of were starting to circle it, Zach. Maybe you did it in more detail. I won't go over too much, but the game that allows for adding players was suspended, which is the easiest to recoup from because you can add players. And the game where you are stuck was left to run where there are no, you know, there's no opportunity to adjust. So as a strictly draft champions player, which I am a hundred percent of my NFBC basket was in draft champions. I got nothing refunded and I'm fully pushing forward. And now like I'm scrambling to get money into the second chance contest, which I might've played anyway, but I'm trying to kind of balance 
new outlook with old outlook and maybe get exposed to players that I wasn't before. Yeah, I think um, I agree with you. Um, first of all, um, I think what I think there's, the, the NFBC statement made sense in terms of their explanation why they're refunding the onlines and not the DCs. Um, your explanation as to what should have happened makes a little more sense. I think they're both they're both no, not wrong, but I think um, I think I think yours holds a little bit more logic, and that's sort of where my my head is at too. But whatever, it it is what it is. Yeah, again, like I really want to be very clear in case one, any of those guys are listening. Yo, does not it's not going to change. I feel about you guys at all. You have all of the fantasy money for me. Don't worry about it. You got all the money. I love the product. You guys had your back up against the wall. And listen, I don't really want to complain because any one of those teams could still win. The, the championship, I'm still eligible. I just, as in, listen, I'm compulsive. That's part of the reasons I'm into this. Obviously, I wouldn't have sank all that money into the strategies that I deployed. And, and that's it. You know what I mean? That's it for me. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. So we'll move on. And we got, we got our health. We're happy. And um, if, like, I, I'm, I, was, I was pushing to play. So I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that, they're, that, they, that they left some, some, uh, some contests on the table that we already drafted. So I'm happy. Um, love the guys there. I think they're doing great work. They're very, very approachable. Just um, can't all, it's all good. It's all good. That's all. That's what yeah, I, really, I, exactly, exactly. You know what? The best way to sum up is it's all good. It's all yep, good. It is. Okay. All right. So um, let's get into the DC strategy. So it, um, I'll start off the same way I started, started off before. Is there anyone that's uh, now, uh, now that you know, now that we know what's going on now, now we know how shit's going down. Is there any new players that are just completely off your board that weren't before? Wow, completely off my board. Um, yeah, probably anybody that hits nine. You know, so I, I always, Zach, you, you've gotten to know me over time. I usually like to talk more in theoretical terms because I feel like it's easier to apply for anybody listening. You know, and again, I never circle individual players because you need to be able to win with just about anybody, because especially in the snake draft. You know, any player can be gotten and you need to be able to kind of shift. So players at the top of my head that I did like that now I probably no longer could go after. I think somebody like Luis Robert, he checks two red boxes for me. You know, one being the experience where I think rookies, we wanted to give them a bit more time to find the groove. And then, like I said, also the fact he's most likely to be batting nine with very little to no chance of moving up at least in my opinion right now and I think those two things kind of can set a player back because in a short season you know opportunity is going to reign supreme yeah I'm I uh, he made me realize like I haven't drafted Robert afterwards and he, he made me realize yeah like that makes sense like he yeah he, not, he, not he, he has to, he, has to lose, he loses a bit of the shine for sure yeah and I think and I think players that that fit that description also you know, um, Ahmad Rosario. Ahmed Rosario was somebody else that I found I was kind of falling back to. Um, uh, man, even at some points as my starting shortstop, you know, because shortstop is pretty deep as a source of uh, steals. And then maybe even some production because unlike Robert, I think Rosario has a pathway to the top of the lineup. It's not there right now. I think the Mets are particularly deep. So – Ah, man, those extra red bats every week over 60 games, it is definitely going to add up. It is definitely, definitely going to add up. And I'm like winking right now because I'm giving you a tease. That's the, uh, the next thing I'm working on right now. I'm doing a, uh, a study on like plate appearances. Mm, and I can't, I think I can't in, wait. Yeah, I think in, in the 60-game set 
we're talking about a percentage of opportunity gained with each lineup spot that only a fool would ignore. So, and I haven't crunched the numbers on this. So is, is that, is that more impactful in a 60 game season than 162 game season, the difference between batting leadoff and batting ninth? Well, I, I think every game you remove every, because remember, okay. So at, um, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm thinking about yeah, it. I'm, I'm saying yeah, I'm just stuttering like a mammer in W. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you take it down to the simplest uh, thing, because if you, if you look at, if you look at the 162 games, you're going to see like those players get like, you might get like, 70 more at-bats? I don't know. Right. I a matter actually, of rates is what I mean to say. It's a matter of rates. You know, a, a leadoff hitter is going to get an extra 0.33 at-bats per game. You know, so whether it's 10, you know, in 10 games, it's going to be three at-bats. Now, it might not be three at-bats. It might be no at-bats. It also might be, you know, it might be an at-bat every single game. There's a chance. There is a percentage chance every single game, right, that the number one hitter gets more at-bats then the hitter behind him and so on and so forth. So the more games you have, I think the more chances you have for that to maybe come out in the wash, especially when we're talking about things like injuries that now a single IN, uh, IL stint basically negates a quarter of your season. More. I think more. Yeah, at least, right at least, right at least. Yeah, it's, it's, a disaster, it's a disaster right now, man. It's a disaster right now. It's a total minefield. So I think that goes to, if we're talking strategy is, the, the big headline is risk aversion. Yeah, yeah. I think I, – but I, I think if you, well, if, you, if, you, if, you use, if you use hindsight, though, so, like, I think getting those players that, like, well, you're, like, Luzardos um, and then your, your rookies that might get called up sooner than later, like maybe, like, your Alec Baum, those guys are were, were risk – those are, those are riskier picks before that turned out to be in your favor now. But I guess what you're saying is now, once the dust has settled and there's new, there's new, the new values are in place and everyone has that common knowledge, then the, you want to be less risky, I guess. Is what you're yeah. Saying. Well, I'd also see pitching, uh, pitching has its own kind of caveat. And man, it's funny, Zach. I have to say your outline is pretty, pretty pertinent to the new season because now I'm winking because I'm teasing my the second thing I have coming out. So that's what I'll be, I'll be working on is. Um, in this new reassessment, how to gain statistical separation on each side of the ball. So you got that out of me. But that's what's coming. And, man, it's funny. You, 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 you just named, like, the most, one of the most popular names right now is Lizardo. And, man, ask me who I'm fading. I'm coming back at you with Lizardo. His, his price is soaring. And I don't think the return on a per-game basis is there. No, so, I think I agree. I've, I've, I have – so – I have shares of him, but I do fade him because I think there's very equal value that you can get later on. Well, he's listen, he's an excellent pitcher, but how many starts are you getting? And how many of those is he going to go beyond six? How many of those is he going to go beyond seven? Probably not. And yeah, when, when you start breaking down what it looks like, like, you know, for anybody out there keeping score um, in 2019, uh, he did not throw more than uh, three innings in any game. Yeah, so but it's but tough he, to he, only, say. He, only, he only pitched a handful of games. But again, I know, but he's exactly. only going to get a handful of games this year, too. Well, he didn't get any starts. So now you're – remember, I'm always averse to asking players to do things they hadn't done because that's what I think you're doing. 
you know. Uh, all right, he did start. He did start seven games in AAA. Only gave you thirty-one innings. Back of the napkin math, we talk about four and change. Yeah. So he hasn't shown. He has not shown distance on a per game basis, even at AAA. And that's a major problem for me, especially you're talking about at a premium. Man, if I were going to take – he almost, to me, is the same pitcher as A.J. Puck. So if you were looking to gamble on a high upside athletic, my counter would be Puck offers the same strikeout upside with the same innings pitch risk at a better price. I think he has so more – I'm just trying has, to open I think, up – I think you know, he has more strikeout upside. Okay, well, even – sure, make my point for me. You know, yeah. I was just trying to not I, – I try and be conservative in my arguments – you know, just to kind of put the perspective out there. No, I right? hear you. I hear you. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. counterpoint was, I don't know, I, I think just based on their pedigree, I think the, the Luzardo has a better – he's going to – I'd bet on the ratios for him a lot more than I would for, for, for Puck, and then maybe that's why people – Yeah, are, again, I just – I worry about the stuff that are over 60 games. You know, I think uh, – Yeah, true. Yeah, again, you got to – I, I, I want to see it first. I want to – I want to be asking my players to do the things that they do. And not to do the things that they haven't, if that's possible. So that brings that's a good segue into you saying it's a sixty-game season. Um, are you are do you weigh do you put less weight on the ratios, um, ERA, WHIP, and batting average uh, than you would before? And you say like, listen, it's going to be more of a crapshoot. I'd rather fo- I'd rather get my counting stats that I know I'm going to get, and rather not focus on guys like that are going to like the Adam Eatons and the Lorenzo Canes and. Even I, I'd put Alex Verdugo in that mix as well. Um, I, um, that being like, I, I, just a little side note. I think he's. I think Verdugo is super overpriced because he's. I don't. He's not going to hit you a ton of home runs. He's going to be. He's going to be like your um, David Peralta, Adam Eaton type, and you're drafting. And they're all getting drafted like right before pick two hundred, and that's where he's going. So he's basically. You're basically paying for his ceiling. Well, Verdugo, I think I might push back um, his. Again, if I'm going to go to lineup spot and the premium lineup, he's got some primo real estate. Alex Verdugo, I'm talking about. So I think him I might push back on, depending on your category build going into that, where he is a prime candidate to lead the league in runs. And he's also a bit of an average guy. So I can see the argument for Verdugo. It depends on my build. He's not somebody I need. So I do understand that there are holes there. And I could see a place um, as the news of his health begins to spread as more and more people are drafting. I can see his his draft price in the reassessment skyrocketing. That would push me out. But um, to your original question about ratios, man, I, I don't know, Zach. I, I have such kind of a, a diverse build in my analysis as is that I don't value any one of those things where it would tip the scales for anybody. So as you we were saying, I was just trying to think of guys – like, so what is that? Like Soroka because he's an ERA guy? Well, I don't know. I wasn't into Soroka because of the strikeouts and stuff um, as is. Not that I don't like him, but in this short season in particular, I think you're really going to need – I think you're really going to need strikeouts um, because of something that you and I spoke about also, which is um, mixing in relievers. You know, relievers might have a greater impact. So they're going to bring you strikeouts. So I think you're going to have to be weary with – ratio guys like I don't know is it overall ratio guy like a Hendrix if that's what you mean then yeah I'm avoiding I'm avoiding that kind of ratio guy because I think a guy that needed 200 innings to get the job done um you know he's not going to have that opportunity now 
Yeah, I think it's going to be. I think K to nine is actually a K, K per nine is actually an important ratio to look at. Yeah, I mean, I've always been more into percentage K percentage and K per nine, but yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, yeah, no, K percentage is a better metric for your, like I guess the overall skill level of the pitcher, but I guess in terms of um, yeah, either 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 or. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think I like a K percentage is, is better. Agreed. But I think K percentage K nine I think is a, is a good metric because if you're looking at two different pitchers like take Hendricks like I think you just mentioned him and you take him against um um call it call it like AJ Puck um two guys you already mentioned um I think say say Hendricks goes seven and uh Puck goes five I think Puck might still get you more strikeouts and maybe they have an equal chance of getting a win so I think in this short season with the variability on the the ratios I think I think um guys like Hendricks goes down and uh, puck goes up in terms of value. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be a sprint and it's, it's going to be wild. Um, since we're on the topic of ratios, I was, I was crunching some numbers that I might as well get out there. Cause I think they're very useful. Um, so in a, I was using 60 innings for a starter as a benchmark. Um, you know, listen, that's five, 12 inning starts or six, 10, six inning starts. 12, five inning and 10, six inning. Yeah. Um, so if you had a three ERA, you know, you had given up surrender 20 runs, just, just sprinkling in five more runs, just five runs jumps that ERA to three, seven, five. Wow. So one blow up is a big deal. That three run Homer on the way out the door is a really big deal. And that's going to be the hang-up for relievers. Uh, and now here, I'm just kind of thinking out loud because, you know, again, we just kind of got a lot of this information. You mentioned Puck, who – so to me, Puck represents a high-impact, low-inning starter, at least at first. I was thinking more along the lines in my general, like, theoretical rankings that I might have high-impact relievers higher than those guys – because they might open up a pathway to more wins. And then in certain pitchers scenarios, I'm thinking particularly about like an Aaron Bummer, or I know you really like Karinchak, or even our boy like a Ginkle, you know, guys that are really, really effective on a per inning basis that also have a pathway with injuries to closing. So they might give you a shade less innings than the starters, but as far as ratios, it may be better. As far as totals, they may be equal, right? If you have a one of those um, high-end RPs, and let's say Bummer gets, you know, if Bummer gets four innings, he may have seven Ks, no earned runs, and may even get you a win. And yeah. in that scenario, he's going to outperform most of the four and five starters at the very least. So based on what you just said, I've I've two I've two thoughts. I don't even know if I don't even know if these are if these are questions, but um, they're more thoughts. One would be these relievers, these high end relievers like your bummers. Can you like can you afford given like the innings pitched minimums to put those people in your starting lineups? Okay, not all of them, not all of them, but because again, I love Jack. I'm loving this conversation because we're we're so like we're so focused on these on these pertinent theories. And again, I'm focused on innings pitched for pitchers, right? If I can't get 200 innings, then I have to focus on per game innings pitched. So again, that'll be my second article. I'm going to try and do a study on per game distance achieved. Um, and very simply, you know, without, without opening up the whole book, just as simply as we can get, 
A pitcher that throws six innings gives you a 20% greater workload than a pitcher who throws five. So to, again, to oversimplify, that's the pathway to statistical separation in a short season. Right. Um, so to answer what your, your counterpoint about the relievers is, I'm going to have to, I'm going to be front loading with my innings guys already. I'm not taking innings risks on starters because I'm seeing, I've seen quite a few analysts, you know, people that are very smart say that they're skipping on pitching altogether in the beginning. And they're going to be going after these pitchers that they perceive as efficient on in per inning basis. Um, like a Lizardo, I guess comes to mind. Um, Julio Arias comes to mind. I know you, you drafted him in our podcast league. So it's not the kind of poop on the pick. It's just depending on your need. You have pitching before him. I'm talking about people relying on guys like Urias, Lazaro, to be their one-two. I think there you might be desperately disappointed when they go out and only give you three innings and a start potentially. Okay, my counterpoint to this, and I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but not to you. Um, like my, yeah, we're, we're talking about the podcast league and my pitching staff there is, uh, I'm not too confident with it. I, I like, I love my hitters, but I have Tyler Glasnow as my one, which you know what a lot of people do um, think he's good for one. I know Vlad Sedler has him as a one, like in a lot of drafts. I think every draft I've done with him, he's got Tyler Glasnow. Yeah, Zach, I have him as a one, but I think making him your one is a, is a, me, I don't want to call it a mistake because it may be the best move you made, but I feel like that's where I would have disagreed where, I like guys like Glasnow or Darvish with the ceiling for SP1 as my SP2, hoping that that'll be the thing that takes my pitch into the championship. Well, Sorry. Of course, I would love him as my SP2. I'd much rather have him as my SP2, but um, I couldn't have gotten uh, Betts, Albies, and Meadows in the top first three rounds. Yeah, I think oh, I might have. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, not, to, not to go and start analyzing this draft in the, in the third round, I just did, I didn't pass. I couldn't pass Meadows up. Uh, I could have got. I could have taken Luis Castillo in the third, but I passed him for Meadows, and then I um, got stuck with Glasnow as my SP one in the fourth round. But yeah, no, I have Glasnow, and I have Lamette, and I have Urias. So those are like. That's I'm worried. Of- I'm worried. I mean, listen, Lamette is only a five inning guy in his best day, you know. So he's going to be one of those guys that has a potential to fall behind. I don't think that will apply to strikeouts because, you know, he's great with the strikeout pitch. But- let, me, let me read you a little conversation that I had late last night. And um, by conversation, I mean, I said something in, in, uh, to Todd Zola and he, he, he never responded to me. <laughs> but um, so he, he, he posted something and he, he said, um, Todd, Todd said, seeing a lot of speculation, Jesus Lazardo, AJ Puck, and Julio Raya should be pushed way up in rankings. Caveat emptor. Having no innings restrictions in a truncated season doesn't necessarily mean your younger arms with an injury history will get a regular workload. Same for Rich Hill. And then blah, blah, blah. People, people were responding to this. And then I said, um, my point was, um, let me pull it up here. You weigh short-term risk versus ramping them up for their career. So um, sorry about that background noise. So, so I'd say, I'd think there's, I, I think there's a point to be made. Uh, teams, rather Urias, Glasnow, Lamed, et cetera, pitch the 60 innings versus like the 40 innings, like including playoffs or whatever for their career trajectory. Because if like, just think about it, just take numbers, take 80 innings versus 80 innings this year versus 60. If the pitcher that throws 80 is more likely to be able to throw 140, 150 next year to like, exactly. I just, I think you're, 
I think you're set too far onto the horizon with this one because there's a World Series to win. Right. And, and I, I think that's going to be the focus, not setting guys up. Right? You know, meaning if these guys are struggling, I think they're going to get the hook. I do disagree with I do disagree with a lot of the general narrative this year about people getting the quick hook across the board. I don't think that's going to be the case. I do think it will be the case when they're not effective, you know, and I think that will particularly apply to younger pitchers and maybe even more so if they might be able to get back out there again during the week. Right, so we know there are going to be very few off days, and there might even be double headers and stuff in there. So let's say a guy like Puck starts the game and walks the first two guys. I see a scenario where he may get he may get yoked, and you know, and they, where they look to get him back in on short rest later in the week, you know, or maybe gives up two through two. You know, maybe maybe the walks in the first wasn't good because he didn't really hurt you that bad. But I think I think, you know, the, answer, I think the answer might be the, the the question. Okay, do you think like um, Lazardo, Puck, Lamette? Um, Urias, do you think they pitched further or not further into game? No. I think I think, no, I think, I think the answer is not uniform. It's it's on a case by case basis. I think like maybe Urias does go five six innings every game, and Lizardo goes four. I think it's I, I, not all managers and players are going to be treated the same. So I don't think there's. I think people are trying to like generalize like this group of pitchers. Like this, I guess these pitchers that I'm talking about, they've, 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 they've sort of fallen into like a tier or like a grouping and people are trying to put a general label on them. No, I hear you. I just, I, I can't help but go back to expectations and past performance. Um, specifically in regards to distance, you know, distance is something that needs to be built up and it's something that is generally sustained. Again, I started doing a little bit of a study on innings per start, and the guys at the top of the list in 2018 are at the top of the list in 2019. You know what I mean? Guys that go six, seven, eight tend to go six, seven, eight. Um, Arias, what he, uh, he started last year as a starter. He had four starts, five, four, five, and six, and then it was no more than three innings. He kind of had a relief roll. All the way through, they sprinkled in a start here and there, and he was an opener. I just don't see evidence of, okay, this guy's going to go seven innings every start. I, 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 I can't get there. So I'm not going after those guys because we – I'll say me or you because I don't mean to single you out. It's not what I'm – you know, when I say you, I mean like the royal you. There's going to be a major dose of reality. If he comes out on the third game of the season, pitches two innings and comes out, then pitches, you know, the, the, the next week. You took a major, major loss because of the draft capital spent. So being that's in the range of outcomes, and he's surrounded by guys without that worry, I'm going without the worry. I, I think this year, as funny as it sounds, because it's a sprint, I think people are losing sight of accumulating stats, as silly as that kind of sounds in a short season. I think it's just a different approach that's going to get it there. Fair enough there. So let's, I'm going to move on from that, from that topic. Um, actually, um, I want to, if we look at the, just because I'm looking at the board right now after the, looking at the pitchers, well, um, you never, you never elaborated on Rosario, Ahmad Rosario. Why are you down on him? Because of the line, well, I was mentioning it briefly because of the lineup placement, you know, he, he 
the, the Mets are especially deep. You know, Nimmo is healthy and McNeil is healthy. So they have on-base threats at the top of the lineup. Rosario probably represents the perfect nine-hitter for a circular lineup with a DH. And I think that's where he's going to be. So if I'm making opportunity a crux of my analytical decisions here, then, you know, he stands to maybe get 15 to 20% less plate appearances than somebody leading off. You know, it's just that Is he, is he uh, actually, I'm trying to pull up the lineup. Is he, is he um, at the bottom of the lineup? Um, I'm off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The roster resource shows him nine. Well, again, roster resource, they do a fantastic job. I mean, the work he's doing there is fantastic. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's not, nothing. Not so. But I think he's, yeah, I think he's on the mark here. Right? Like I said, Rosario just kind of, he just kind of fits the bill. And I know I was talking uh, about this with Matt on a Turn 2 podcast, that Rosario stole the majority of his bases at the back of the lineup last year. So that's not a concern. You know, I think he's gonna. Uh, again, well, not, wait not, a second, because he was he was um, in front of the pitcher, so you you might you might want to steal more when the pitcher's coming up because you or I don't know I don't know. Maybe no, 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 no. I'm pushing on that. I don't agree with that. Aren't you? Oh, aren't you discluded almost completely from running? If he gets on with two outs, you can't run because you can't make the last out at second and have the pitcher lead off. So I would. I would yeah, say, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair okay. enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. My bad. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. So I think uh, I, I I don't want my argument against him to be based around skill set or expectations, um, because again, like I'm saying, this is a guy that I really like, you know. So I have ownership, but in this new reassessment, I don't have it because I think his pathway to the top of the lineup is blocked, and I think he fits perfectly into the bottom. I think he's going to flourish at the bottom and be very good there. I just think. Everything gets capped um, as far as opportunities. You know, I think they're available um, elsewhere, let's say in that, you know, like a comparable price range, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, Seeger is going to be closer to the top of the lineup and, you know, Correa is going to be closer to the top of the lineup. I guess if you're going for, if you needed steals, then just maybe you need to get them at a different point. Because, you know, I was looking at Rosario as a compliment for stolen bases hoping that he'd be an excellent contributor. I don't know if you could bank on that this year now. So I think if you were relying on him for steals, you got to get it elsewhere. Right. So I think we already talked about the, like the relief pitcher in the, in the pitching landscape quite a bit. So I think we yeah. can, we can move, we can move past that. But um, uh, I, I want to talk about, I guess the DH now that we're talking, we're a good, a good segue is talking in the nine spot and the pit, no more pitchers. Now you have the DH in the, in the, in the NL. Um, now I read, I read this list. Um, I was watching the same list I read in the, on the prior two episodes. It's just, it's just, a good way to get our minds flowing to what, who's going to be, um, who's going to be impactful in, uh, in, um, in the DH world. And, um, this list is more like, like it's, it's this guy, Anthony Castro Vince. I think you've probably heard of him. He, he had, he has his 10 top 10 DH candidates for the NL. Um, but I, I, these are these are guys that are going to be the DH. I'm sort of thinking the guys that are going to. I'm thinking outside the box that could be um, DH. Who could be could benefit from the DH that aren't actually DHs. One of the guys is Gavin Lux. Uh, I'm saying um, because he was going to be fighting for playing time potentially with other players, but now that the DH is there, it opens up a spot for him to be uh, like their everyday second baseman with uh, 
with uh, all the other mouths to feed. So he's, he's a sort of a polarizing player because I've seen him go 30 spots ahead of, of Corey Seager. And I've also seen him go 30 spots behind uh, Corey Seager. So I want to get your thoughts on Lux while I, uh, while I look to pull up the list. I was big on, I was big on locks. You know, the uh, prospect shine was there. You know, he produced, he was basically an, an animal last year and you have the best context possible. I think early on in draft season, I miscalculated his use and I thought he was going to be at the top of the lineup. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I, I misspoke about his productivity in the majors last year. He was a, he was a beast in AAA came up and he really wasn't very good, but not that that, you know, that doesn't throw me off at all. My expectations are still very high. Um, but like I said, my, my, my draft capital was being spent on what I thought was going to be a premium spot in the lineup. Then the playing, the very valid playing time concerns that you brought up scared me off ownership. And now his lineup placement scares me off ownership. So if we were looking at my ownership on a chart, it's extremely high and just starts to nosedive kind of towards zero. Um, I don't mean to push back on your initial premise because I do believe he will benefit individually. You know, he will benefit from the DH because now he's playing every single day. So if that was a doubt in your mind, it shouldn't be anymore. I think he's going to be very good. But I think the argument for Rosario probably goes right to Lux. But Lux also has the red flag of youth and having not done it. I think he's going to be just fine. But I did mention before that I want more games, not less, for young players to develop. So you just can't tell me that there isn't a range of outcomes where in his, you know, in his, in his 23 games last year, he had a 240-305-400 slash. He was really bad. 87 WRC plus, a nearly 30K rate. That's not going to get the job done. What if in the first 23 games of 2020, he does the same thing again? That'd be bad. Alex, well, Alex Bregman usually starts off slow too, doesn't he? Well, ah, man, you know, I, I, I didn't know if we were going to get to this again because now you're talking about a, uh, a pivot to a different fundamental approach, which is, I don't know, you, is the beginning of the season the first game you play or is the beginning of the season more temperature related? So I have found in my own analysis, I'm not using any of that. Like I'm not using slow starters because oh. I don't know if it's from the weather or not. I don't trust. I don't. I don't. I don't. Um. I don't. I don't think the weather's a factor into anything anymore because uh, they told us the coronavirus is going to go away in the warm weather, and uh, that was a hoax. So I think this warm weather thing's just all bullshit. I think. It doesn't well, I'm, 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 I'm obviously being stupid. I'm being facetious. <laughs> I know. I meant, I meant with the ball flying out of the no, bar. I, I get it. I don't. No, I know. I know. But but that's a real thing, right? Because right, if the air is if uh, there's more. If the air is heavier, right, it's harder for the ball to travel when it's colder. Again, you can tell I did not – my college degree is not in earth science or meteorology. But we do know the ball flies better in the humid weather in August, and that's the weather we're getting a better, you know, resemblance of when we start. So I don't know how to treat early and late starts. Um, back to what you're saying, I am more worried about things that players have done and me expecting them to do that again. You know, so I'm high on Lux for keeper leagues, you know, super high. You want him everywhere. But I'm not really drafting him much anymore because now that I have these – now that I have this percentage of opportunity gained in my head, 
when I do the calculus, making these real-time decisions in draft rooms, I'm having a hard time centering on Lux. And if I could just expand one more thing for everybody out there listening, most of my research has pushed me towards getting my infield early this year. You know, and it's, it's everything we've talked about, Zach. It's Lux and it's Rosario. It's everything. I, maybe it's a combination of me also liking a bunch of outfielders. Whatever it is, I'm getting my infield early and locking up all those stats, man. Right on. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the list of DHs, uh, DHs, interesting DH candidates. And these, this is just sort of a, a warm up for you to talk about some guys that you think really gain value. They don't have to be any of these guys. So the list he has is Cespedes, Sunzel, Dylan Carlson, Baum, Francisco Mejia, Howie Kendrick, Puig, who's not even signed yet, I don't think, Ozuna, Marcel, Carl Schwarber, and Ryan Braun. Wow, I think, well, me and Matt spoke about this also. Ryan Braun is a tremendous benefactor because he will be um, pampered, uh, quote-unquote, right, as far as um, usage, so he'll be DHing. He's also going to get a premium line of spot, something I spoke about. He's also going to be in a great context, something I spoke about. Um, man, I'm so high on Schwarber, I kind of thought he was getting forced to that lineup every day regardless with Castellanos leaving. Um who I'm not who who else did you say? Is there anybody else I missed? You kind of rattled off a bunch. Go ahead. I'm sorry, you rattled off a bunch. You lost me. I only I only got those two. Oh, oh, oh okay. So um let me pull it back up. Cespedes, oh. Senzel, Carlson, Dylan Carlson, Alec Baum, Francisco well, Mich- Okay, so hold on. So you, Cespedes is tough because the Mets have a have a dearth of of players. Um, Carlson is also tough because if we're talking about a pure stick and the Cardinals, man, I've always liked Tyler O'Neill. He kind of comes across as a prototypical DH. Um, who else? If you, if you give me the teams, I'll give you a real quick, I'll give you a quick five seconds. Okay. Like you want me to just go through the teams? Yeah. 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 If you talk, you know what I mean? It's easier for me. If you give me a name or the team, I'll give you five seconds on what I think about them. Cause I, I can't keep them all in my head. Well, okay, let's, let's go. Uh, I'll give you the team and I'll give you the DH that's on roster resource. Uh, okay. Matt, Matt's Dominic Smith. And you don't have to talk about that guy. You can talk about who you think it's going to be. Well, well, the Mets, I like I said, they're very deep. I think Smith has a potential for it. I think that's also kind of like Cespedes and, there's a lot of mouths to feed, right? The Mets know J.D. Davis is kind of a liability in the field. They may look to get him some D.H. love. Um, you have guys with heavy splits. So, um, plus, is Lowry going to be healthy? He might see a little bit. They did trade for Marisnik. He might see a little bit. So, the Mets D.H. is not something I'm, I'm like, fully targeting. No. I okay. think the big benefactor there, let me get to the big benefactor, I think, is J.D. Davis, right? So I agree. Sometimes, right, the D.H. benefactor we're talking about is not always the D.H. itself. Um, similar to being Gavin Lux for the Dodgers, I think it's J.D. Davis for the Mets. Okay, next. Um, Arizona, they have Jake Lamb. And you know what? I, I asked Modica this question uh, yesterday. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was a good question. I told him to rank these four guys. Jake Lamb, Seth Beer, Kevin Crone, and um, Rojas. Who are you more, like in terms of be, who, who you're most interested in to least interested in? Okay, I think Rojas is at the bottom for the experience. Man, I think it may be time to get – Man, I'm talking experience, and then, ah, man, I think they're hard to rank because I think it's a platoon thing, which kind of hurts them all. So when I find myself scratching my beard furiously like I'm doing right now, it means I really don't want any of them because I'm worried about, like, I like Lamb and Kron together as, like, a super, you know, DH, 
But I think they're in a best be- ball. They'd be in a, yeah, be- I think they're well. Yeah, those guys. See, that's an interesting play is to kind of collect Arizona guys at the end because you may get a ton of bombs. But yeah, I think I'm off that that situation in general. I don't think it's strong. Okay. Uh, next, we'll move on to uh, Atlanta. I think you got Austin Riley. I, maybe this is maybe this is an easy one. Yeah, well, yeah, I think he, I think he's the big benefactor because I think he stood to lose out because he's atrocious in the field. Um, I guess it means something for Camargo, who I happen to have a ton of shares of because, as you know, I play a lot of draft champions and his price is fantastic. But yeah, other than that, I, I guess I could see Riley. I guess I don't, maybe I don't have enough Riley because of that. Um, but I could see drafting him going forward. You know. Yeah, same here. Um, he's not even in, he's not even penciled into the starting lineup on roster resource yet right now. Yeah, yeah, he may get he move in and out. Another problem, you know, it's not it, um, because it's what we're talking about. Everybody out there, the, Cub, the, the, the Cubs, the Cubs, the Cubs are shit this year. I think um, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, well, that's there. why I thought I thought for sure. I thought I didn't think Schwarber was the bubble guy. He may slide into the DH because of you know his his defensive prowess, but. I don't know what they're going to do. I personally, I've always liked Steven Souza. So I think if he's healthy, he kind of fits that role of a, of a productive kind of guy. You know, we're not that far removed in 2017 from 30 homers and 16 steals. So he can get it done with the counting stats. Yeah, he's coming off surgery too. So he might be, yeah, he might be the candidate. I, I think I think he's somebody that's not being looked at. Right now, they're talking about Almora, and I guess that's for defense. But um, I know people are really high on Horner. And last year, I know Bodie was getting the looks. So, again, I, I hate to be a broken record. I think there's going to be a lot of shuffling at the back of that because right now the Cubs are looking at Kipnis at second. I don't know how long that's going to stick. No way. Year. I'm looking at it right now, too. He's in their starting lineup and roster resource. Bodie and Horner are – like, that's going to last – that's going to last like, – like, Kipnis in the lineup is going to last, like, two hours. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I think if you're really high on any of those guys, and I know there's a lot of Horner guys – Man, again, you got to think about that service time issue. They may well not want to start it for him. All right, and just a side note, Quintana is uh, basically he, he stick a fork in him. Oh, um, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me just backtrack because I, I hate I hate misquoting. I oh. forgot that Horner got run at the end of last year, so the service time's not a thing. I'm sorry. I have to take. Okay, that. no. Okay, it still yeah, no. it still doesn't change the fact that it's part of a a very muddy platoon, right? It's not a definitive platoon, and we don't want to be parts of platoons at all. So I'm passing there. On a side note, I was listening to um, CBS podcast yesterday or today, and they said that um, the service time is like seven days or something like that. So if they hold them down for the first week, and they, this is unconfirmed, I think they heard from some sort of beat writer um, that um, you could, like someone like Nate Pearson could be up within seven days and not lose any service time. Zach, this is the first I'm hearing of that. Well, listen is to the CBS, at least listen to the CBS podcast. Like it's in, which is within the first like five or ten minutes of the podcast. Um, because I'm probably not quoting it exactly right, but um, they're, uh, they said that they, they started talking about some sort of speculation over service time. Wow. Okay, uh, just real brief on that. If that's the case, all of the super high upside youngsters get a, get a bump for me, depending where you have to get them. I mean, I just – I know, again, I'm, I'm in live active drafts. I'm in a different draft champion that you are and I are not in, and – um, I made sure to grab Spencer Howard, you know, right, who kind of fits that bill. I grabbed him in the 20th round. So even though he pro- he should have represented a starting space, I am okay drafting guys like Howard to put him on the bench. 
and then going to filling guys that I think are going to be getting innings. Um, I think we're going to be talking about my late loves later on. Yeah, I think um, yeah, he's the guy. I'm in another one. I'm in another draft champions as well, and I've basically mirrored the team that you've drafted in our draft champions because we're both drafting from the 14th spot. And yeah, Spencer Howard, Mackenzie Gore, Pearson, right, Kopech, those good. are those are all of my big targets. Are there here. any else I'm missing? If I can um, pick you up, well, pick? I haven't. I don't know if you like Puck, but um, anyone else? Um, uh, no, I, th- I know those are the those are the big three. Um, and uh, man, Howard's something else. All three of those guys are excellent. I know you love. Mackenzie Gore and I have been passing on him and passing on him and I think I may come to regret that. Maybe. Um and I've also hearing that Luis Patino on the on the on the Padres as well, their other studs prospect, he might he might be neck and neck with Gore now, like um this year with the wow, new- do you think there's room for both? They can't where could there be room for both of them? I mean the assumption the assumption would have to be that it's a Richards indish, uh injury because he's very good. Yeah. Anywhere. I don't think Lucchese's going anywhere and the same eh. with eh. I think I think Lucchese could go could go. You think so? They, yeah. they, could, they, they could turn him into a strom. Well look look, if they gave Lucchese Strom's role and they were they both had the same role and you said you have to draft one of Lucchese or Strom, I'd be drafting Strom. If well, like I the only the only thing the only thing making me draft Lucchese more than Strom is that the fact that he's in the rotation. Like if if I was building a team as a general manager. I'd rather have Strong. Man, I re- I know I was in, I was into Lucchese because you know last year and he, he wasn't even thought of as being that great, but you know this guy was top like let's say top fifteen to twentieth percentile across the board. You know, Lucchese's on like a career tra- trajectory of like a, like a poor man's Carl, um, Quintana. Yeah, I, I think oh, he's no, gonna no. I think he's gonna outperform two thirty five xba. 397 X slug, 299 X Woba. Man, those are excellent. I'm also a sucker for guys that keep the line drives down. He had one of the best line drive rates in the league. It was only 17%. Well, somebody's gonna he's gonna go off the board soon in the draft we're in right now. But speaking of Quintan, I meant I was gonna I was mentioning this before. Like he's done like for the season. Like he had surgery, like there he's out for like maybe at least two weeks, but like that's basically like read read between the T leagues. Like he's done. Um like for, he's he's dead to me, at least in, in terms of drafting. Um, but I think it's Corey Abbott time. I know everyone's on Alec Mills, but I think my um, late round target, Corey Abbott, is going to come to fruition. Wow, I haven't even – I don't have any shares. And I'm not I'm – not no, really no one does. I'm the only one with any shares. Literally. <laughs> I love that. No one has shares. I have, I have the shares. <laughs> I, have, I have a Corey Abbott monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, well, I'll, I'll know. I'm going to – I hope I see that uh... – you know, I hope I see that roto wire blurb someday. Well, yeah, me too. Um, okay, so let's move, moving on to the. Um, I don't think we. I don't think we can go through all the teams for the DH, but let's let's go, let's do one more. Uh, Cincinnati Reds. Um, yeah, so their DH right now is Nick Senzel on uh, the roster. Well, they're just a big benefactor across the board. Absolutely. I, in fact, they may be the they may be the big benefactor across the board because right people all you know, all off season we're worrying about usage and kind of the crowded outfield. I think Shogo gets a tremendous bump because where people might've been worried about it. And now, you know, again, if we're going to talk lineup placement, he's been atop that spot at roster resource for the past like four months, you know, since the signing in January, six months, I guess. Uh, that might be a player that is a league winner is being completely overlooked for his cost. If he's going to play every day, Right, you mentioned Senzel. 
man, now, now Winker is going to play every day, right? All those guys that we weren't sure about are going to get looks every single day. So I think, man, I just love the Braves in general. You, so know, you, made, you, made a, you made a pick as we're talking here, right? Yeah, I just made a pick as we were talking. That's why I thought <laughs> I, I didn't have to ask you to repeat something before. I hate, <laughs> I hate, doing, I hate doing that. I hate doing that. I'm actually on the clock in another league. I'm just going to do it. Oh, were you were you picking when I was telling you the list of like that Castro Vince's uh, DHs? Yes. <laughs> Busted. But at least I remembered to turn off all my uh, all my bells and whistles. Yeah. And, you know, well, got, yeah, well, I got my basement <laughs> renovated. See if that's what you're okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to let you make my pick. I know he's coming from Texas. Kyle Gibson or Jordan Lyles? Fuck. Um, I'll, I'll take Kyle. I'd take Kyle Gibson over Lyles, but I know he has the risk. He has Crohn's disease. So like there's talking about him maybe sitting out, but I don't think he is going to because he's on, he's on the roster. So I don't know. Don't blame me if he sits out though. Oh, tough. I didn't know he was, I didn't know he was. He was a health risk, but like Crohn's. So I don't know. Oh, a lot. Shoot. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to, can I go against you? What if I agree with you and then tell you afterwards? I didn't, I didn't listen to you. I don't want to. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, I'm not going to. All right, because I want to avoid injuries. I'm not going to fault you, but um. Yeah, I guess I got to. I got to stop mining the news. I, okay, so let's move on to the. Um, you want to talk about prospect? We already kind of talked about prospects, so let's go um, looking at. Let's let's do a look back on the old drafts. Like, tell me a player that you're really glad you targeted, and uh, one that you're sort of regretting based on like based on the new landscape that you have. Like oh, players okay, you have a lot yeah. of shares of. Yeah, this one's easy because you know I do. I like to do a lot of work on late players. Yep. So a few, quite a few of them have, quite a few of them have really kind of panned out now. So you know, I'm really glad I was on Austin Voth the entire. Oh yeah, season. you were all now, over. Yeah, and now Joe Ross opted out of the season, so Voth should have a clear path to a full load, and I think he's a league winner at the price. Um, Big words. Yeah, I do. I mean, listen, he's still going 300 or post because remember, a lot of people draft off the ADP list. As right now, the ADP list is complete and utter garbage. It's meaningless. It's never been more important to do your own work. That being said, it doesn't mean you go out and grab him in the 20th round, but it does mean to make sure that you're 50 or 60 picks above ADP to make sure that his name is on your list before his true number starts popping up on the screen and you're giving other people a chance at that kind of value. You know, so, man, I really oh, love sure. um, Voth. Oh, I really love um, uh, Trent Grisham on the Padres. I, I loved him late. He's moved up, and I'm still really glad. Um, I still really like Mike Yastrzemski. I know people are totally allergic to drafting Giants, but he's going to bat lead off most likely every single game. I did an in-depth breakdown about him for the Athletic. Uh, I'm expecting at least a repeat of next year. So for the price plus the lineup spot, um, there's a lot I love you know, for him. Yeah, that's a lot of my late guys, I guess. Oh, Luke Voigt was going like real late. Now he's 100 picks higher. So, yeah, man, there's a lot of guys I was into late that now moved up. Help me and you. We're going to, I like, like a lot of those players, but like everyone you mentioned, yeah, I think we're going to be, you better take them around earlier. Yeah, listen, I, listen that's great. I, I love hearing smart people are into the same stuff. Like, I know. You know, you and I may not agree on every player, but I know that your work is research. So I like the validation. And, hey, it's part of the competition. You know, if you're going to be an analyst and put work out there, I have to know somebody or at least hope somebody's going to read it. All right. Who are, you, are, you, are you kicking yourself along, along with me on the Jorge Mateo? 
Man, you know, I don't know. I, you know I was circling that entire situation. You know, we talked about months ago getting on to that Oakland infield. And after that trade happened, like three or four people actually hit me up, and I don't even know how I feel about it. I mean, is he going to play? I, I feel like he's just, he's, he went to go no. be a role player. Um, when that tweet came out, I, my takeaway – was maybe my Franklin Barreto shares were going to get a bump. And that's what I thought too. Yeah. That didn't seem to be, I didn't seem to get much agreement. I guess, I guess you agree. I agree. I think, I think now Barreto, like that, that's who they, that's who they traded Josh Donaldson for. So they, they, they have some capital in Barreto. I know he sucked in the yeah, major leagues, but he's been, like he's, he's been amazing. He's been amazing in the minor leagues. He could be good. Uh, you could steal you some bases. Maybe, maybe Mateo's going to be a DH in, in um, San Diego. Roster Resource is not buying it. I don't know if you if you realize that. Roster Resource has had Tony Kemp in the starting lineup since they traded for him in January. And he is the only other left-handed stick besides Matt Olson. So is it possible that they would platoon him just to get a like to get a terrible left-hander in? I don't know. I don't know. I, part of me wants to disagree with Roster Resource here. Like I said, I love their work. But Man, my gut says if I was GM, if I'm drawing up a lineup card, I have Barreto in there right now. Yeah, same here. I, I, disagree, I disagree with the roster resource on that one. Is who, there do any other... think, who do you think would be displaced for, for San Diego? It's a pretty, pretty tough there. You think? Um, I remember Justin Mason, who, of course, like I, I have a ton of love for and respect his work. He seemed to think it was going to be Sharks and Profar. It's going to be displaced by Mateo? Yeah, that was that was Justin Ma- Justin Mason. Um, we didn't go too much into detail. I'm reading between the lines a little bit, but my takeaway from his response was Mateo is getting a big boost because he's going to be the second baseman for the Padres. No, I don't think so. Well, Roto 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 World doesn't agree with that. They think he's going to be a pinch runner, um, but I think. Um, we talked about uh, me and Matt yesterday. We talked about Francisco Mejia possibly taking some of those DH at bats and moving Austin Hedges into the lineup uh, because that he wouldn't such make a- room for us. That wouldn't make room for uh, no. That would that would not make room for anyone. So Profar, pro um, they also made a trade uh, to get him, um, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. I don't know. It's, it would have it, to, listen. If if I'm not saying Justin is wrong because I I don't know. Okay, if I were making their line, like if I were making their lineup, I'm looking at it right now. They got Tatis, they got Fam, they got Machado, they got get rid of Hosmer, man. Who can who can you put? You could put put Will Myers at first base. Is Hosmer? Is, I know you're paying him a shitload, but anyways, that's not going to happen. So they got Hosmer at first. Yeah, I, don't think so. I just think it. I think their backlog there. Um, I could still, I could see, um, maybe try to grab both of those guys. Like if you were to, the thing is. Pro uh, Profar is such an average sinkhole. I try and avoid him, you know, which could also be the path to his demise. So whether or not you package Mateo with Profar, I guess I could still see the argument for Mateo in the draft champions because the potential payoff is still there where, I mean, I don't even know where he'd be going right now. It's still probably beyond the 500th pick. Mateo is going before the 500 picks. He's going before 500. Man, I don't know if how far I want to go beyond beyond 500 for a guy that. There's just so much, it's so crowded there. They got Ty France. They got Cronenworth. Yeah, they got. They got. Yeah, he just may not. Oh, I forget. Um, Franchi Cordero. I believe it was. I believe it was Brad Johnson in that very same thread who named Ty France as his lead. And again, I don't know the answer. 
And I don't believe neither of those analysts know the answer. But I do know they're both very smart. I do know that they both put their work in. So what does that tell me? That there's a valid argument for a platoon timeshare sloppy mess? Equal sign? No thanks. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't look hopeful here for, for, for Mateo. But um, anyone else, anyone else you've got a lot of shares of that you wish that you, you should have you sort of backed out on? And before, and, and, I'll, and before we stop talking about this, we can't stop. We can't not talk about Miguel Sano because I have a lot of shares of him. And I think to all of them. You, and you, you took, actually, yeah, in this, in this draft. Yeah, right, got, the, I just took him. You, you took him early, like relatively early, like around, around pick 100. Right, well, you know, again, I was talking before about um, categorical builds. And well, I think, well, for, for, I think the, the overarching thing is that the fact that he went, he kidnapped someone and now he might be like on the, he could, he could end up on a restricted list. I'm not like, I know the profile is risky because of injury, because of like, he could hit 200, but whatever, but he's going to have a shitload of power. But I'm worried about the fact that like, I don't know. I think the, the MLB has got so much on their plate right now. I, I'm hoping this investigation, if any, just gets pushed well, off. And, well, I, again, I know sometimes the organ, the, uh, the major leagues or the sports, you know, organizations will take action, even if the law has not. From what I understood, all the legal stuff is cleared. Charges are dropped or whatever the case is. So if we're just going off what we know, it seems safe to me. I wouldn't have drafted him. I wouldn't have drafted him otherwise. But from what I understand, the legal stuff's out of the way. Again, that does not mean the major leagues will not take action um, against him. Um, I'm glad you gave, you gave me a second to go through my player shares page. I love looking and, at that. Yo, well, man. Uh, you know what? I ha- maybe I, – I, listen, this is funny, right? As being – part of being me is towing that line of arrogance and confidence. I am so happy with this player share page. I am so happy with the player share page. I love it. Me too. Me too. Love it. Uh, right at the top, I'll read it for you. It's a guy who I just mentioned. Mike Yastrzemski. I have Mike Talkman, Justin Sheffield, Jason Castro, Jordan Lyles, Austin Hayes. Off. Trent, who, wait, who are you off? Who are you off? I was seeing Voth. I was oh, seeing... right. Oh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Grisham, Adrian Hauser, and Austin Voth are all at the top of my list. All at the top of my list. I have a minimum of 50% ownership of all those players. And remember, I'm up to like, I have to have 14 draft champions teams. So these are players I really believe in. If I'm recommending them, I'm, I'm drafting them. Right on. Cool. So anyone, no one, no regrets there, I don't think. Now, Although, let me see the maybe, other maybe, maybe Talkman. Yeah, I see now. Okay, I will. I will concede that. Um, considering I've made such a strong argument, or I shouldn't. I don't want to. I shouldn't be validating my own argument. Considering I have stressed line of placement so much, Talkman I think is stuck at the nine hole. Now, I guess a counter for that is, if you're going to be the nine hole here anywhere, it should be the Yankees. And if I could give you another little glimpse at my plate appearance study, is that. Um, it's almost absolutely correlated to run scored. So the Yankees are going to score runs. So if you're going to have a nine hole hitter, get the one with the most at bats and that will most likely be a Yankee. Yep. That's, that's, I agree with that. I think, um, I think those player shares are good uh, that you have. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm in on a lot of them. I'm not so much in on Sheffield. That's the only one that I'm sort of off of that you listed. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, um, well, I, I hear you, and I think where he's going 
you know, well beyond 300. Um, I'm, you know, you have to accept that a player is going to have warts. He developed a new pitch and I actually did a little breakdown on Twitter. And I'm a Yankee homer and he was supposed to be the savior of the rotation a couple of years ago. So I, I guess I have that going for me. I have, um, I have a guy in my top, uh, he's probably, he's in my top 20 players that I own. Another Mariners guy is Taiwan Walker. He's, 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 he's my guy, I guess. I love that. I, I, I've liked Walker for a very long time. I was grabbing him super late when he wasn't signed, and he was, he was getting, I was getting him like, I don't know, pick 500, uh, four, four something, like getting him basically free because I figured like he's former top prospect. Um, should be good. Should be decent. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a nice pick. That's a nice pick. Is he, is he, I guess he is solidified there. It's not like the Mariners have much going on. Yeah. So, yeah, and you know, I don't know. I think those uh, those peripheral guys, like fourth year starters, I think they might lose some value because they're, they're gonna. They're, I think there's less chance, there's lesser chance of them getting two start two start weeks. So two start weeks are, are a big thing for the guys like Tywin Walker, and, and that's where that's when you'd really want to slot them in. And um, I, given the fact that it's a condensed season, I don't know. Maybe maybe a team that's not competing like the Mariners won't really want to push. Like uh, I could see the Astros like putting Verlander on short rest a bunch of times near the end of the near the end of the season if they're close, and there are going to be a lot of close races because there's less games. But um, that said, I, I I think I'd be targeting. I'd really want to stay away from it, like wasting not using any of my top picks on hitters that are if I could help it that are on bad teams because I could see maybe them sitting off with like small injuries near the end of this like sort of like weird season like. Take a guy like I'm trying to think. What's a bad team, like um, like Boston, like the Red Sox? The Red Sox are not going to be good. If JD Martinez is a little banged up at the end of the year, and the Red Sox are like 20 and 30, he's not playing. Wow, you know you really might be right, man. I I, I hadn't really, I hadn't really figured that because my my initial thought was it's going to be so close that everyone's going to be playing to the very end. That's yeah. kind of been my working theory. And I'm, it's like I'm discarding it, but I'm also not poo-pooing what you're saying. You know, it's totally valid. Don't you dare. No, I, I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it like as a huge consideration, but um, the Red Sox are going to be bad. They're pitching rotation. And that's, that's like, I guess the one thing that we, that we did, that we, the one thing that we didn't look at yet is like targeting different, like I guess divisions, like everyone. So everyone's on the AL central pitchers, like Clevenger and Bieber are getting a bump because they get to face the Tigers and the Royals. But I think the AL East, that pitching in the AL East is terrible. The, the Orioles are terrible. And, yes. um, and the Red Sox are like underrated bad. Because oh, it, right. No, right. It's, it's wildly being, it's being wildly under covered. Yeah, how bad how the Red Sox Just how bad they are. Oh, I can't believe it. It's going, go, going into Fenway, a, hit, a hitter's park. Um, and then the Blue Jays rotation isn't anything great. Like, hopefully, hopefully being from Toronto, Pearson's, Pearson's the next Nolan Ryan. But I think, um, <laughs> I think they've taken a, a definitive step forward. Yes. You know, the Blue Jays. Um, I think that's without question. I mean, I'm not, I'm not very high on Ryu. But I do think he's, you know, good and serviceable. And, you know, listen, if uh, Shoemaker could stay on the mound you, and you get better versions of Tanner Roark and Trent Fortin with a there, Pearson. There is no better version of Tanner Roark, by the way. 
No, you don't. You, I don't. You don't I, don't I don't think there's. I don't think there's a Tanner Roark two point in there. Yeah. So Tanner so Roark. Have, Tanner Roark looks like he's gonna like. I don't know. So you have the 2014 and 2016 guys as an anomaly, and then the last three seasons he's almost been a mirror image of himself, ERA, WHIP, and such. Not yeah, I think he's done. Yeah, I, I believe that. And I believe, but then also who's uh somebody's knocking down the door. Um, Yamaguchi, correct? Yeah. So maybe Yamaguchi gets a little bit of love there. I know I saw some news on uh, Ryan Barucki, who I know. I mean, listen, he's not great, but he's he's shown some glimpses actually. He has. He has. No, I think I think the Jays will be okay. Like they're not they're not anything. They're not going to be like your Washington Nationals. And we're and we're looking and I, I know we're looking at the East and I know the Nationals have a great rotation. The Braves are very good. Um, the Mets are okay. Um, yeah, the Mets is okay. They took a step back without Thor, you know. But I, I, th- I think that, like, um, yeah, they take a little bit of a step back. But I think, like, when you look at, like, the other – like, you, when you're playing – you're playing 40 games with your own division. So, take the Yankees. Um, sorry about the background. Take the Yankees. They get, to, they get to beat up on the Jays, Red Sox, Orioles. And really, they – okay, they have two series against the Braves. They have two series against the Nationals. They probably would have played the Nationals once anyways. So, it's one extra series. It's really not – doesn't swing the needle that much. I think you really got to look – at your own division, and you really get to beat up on your own division. And I yeah, think that's the major. Yeah, that's the majority of the games. Two the thirds. Rays and the Yankees hitters. I think you got to give them a little bit of a boost. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it might it works the other way too, where the the hitters in that division are 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 really good. So I've I had found myself fading AL East pitching just because. You know, and that was when they were only playing 19 apiece. You know, now it's two-thirds of the season. And you're kind of yeah. feeding – I mean, back to Ryu briefly. That was one of the things I didn't like about Ryu is I didn't want to feed that left-handed pitching to all the teams in that division. Yeah. So I think it goes – yeah, it goes both ways. I, I mean, I, I guess they're actually a function of each other. The poor pitching is going to lead to that offensive production that you're talking about. Uh, one uh, one other thing um, that I brought up in our in our chat yesterday, I want to get your thoughts on this. Is just like a small little tidbit. Jordan Alvarez, he now I think the NFBC lowered the position eligibility to um, to four to four games, I believe, and um, now thirty three percent of the games are interleague play. So that would mean that twenty games are interleague play, ten are well. 10 or away. So now actually guess, Oh man, you know what? I, I completely screwed up because I said that yesterday and, I, and then somebody said, Oh, that's a really good point. Well, guess what? There is no DH in the, now there's a, now there's a DH in the NL too. So it doesn't even matter. Yeah. How does it, I, you lost yeah. me a little bit. Right? Yeah, no, I know. I know. I was wrong because I'm like, Oh, Jordan Alvarez gets a bump because there's, because uh, now he's, there's interleague play and he'll play the, he'll play the field. I'm like, duh. Wait a second. There's, there's <laughs> no, I actually, especially considering he had like the little bit of a bulky knee issue. Yeah. Um, let him let him DH every day. I don't care. His ceiling is. Yeah. Disregard what I just said. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I was gonna say his ceiling is kind of like the offensive MVP. You know. So you you like you like Alvarez? Yeah. Do you think he has any chance? Do you think he has any chance of getting outfield eligibility with only four games needed? No, I'm not. Expe- I am not expecting the eligibility because of the knee. If it happens, it will be a pleasant surprise. Um, he's another guy that is totally – he is a he's a categorical build player for me. 
you know, um, he's a tough guy. I don't have any shares of him. He's a tough guy to draft that early with no, with not getting you any stolen bases. Yeah, right. Me and, and Matt and I talked about this. Zero steal guys can be tough, but 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 if I got Trey Turner with my first pick, I love Alvarez as my third because I think the two of them make perfect compliments, and now you're you're good to go. That's you know, not bad. So, yeah. How, yeah, so, how how early would you take Trey Turner? Because we were we were talking about this. No, I've kind of heard this argument now. People yeah. are push, pushing now, third overall. I'm down for the push, I'm down with the push, but no, uh, I I I I'd rather have, I'd rather have Lindor, I'd rather have Bellinger, I'd rather have Betts, I'd rather have Yelich, and I'd rather have Acuna. Notice I didn't say Trout because I just Zach, I can't in the short season. I just don't think I could see myself taking trout you're not gonna believe this but i mean I guess you, know, you know you know i mean you know how many leagues i'm in in nfbc oh tons yeah tons. i don't think i have a single share of mike trout he becomes very difficult even before the, draft, the thing um if you believe the steals are gone because you can get similar hit tools from yelich but he has a stolen base upside the same to be said for Cody Bellinger. The same to be said for Francisco Lindor. Now, granted, pound for pound, I will concede Trout's a better hitter. I'm fine giving you that. But stolen bases are 20% of the categories. So that doesn't compensate, in my opinion. I am in... So I think Trout's a speed risk for 2020. I'm in 23 leagues. I, don't have, I just checked. I don't have a single share of Mike Trout. That's that's kind of unbelievable. That's pretty cool. No, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The, I, there's a long, there's a very long list of of one share guys. You know, you take your stabs and stuff. I don't think yeah. I, don't I don't have think, a, I don't have a, that, you know that just tells me I I, would, I never had the third overall pick because I had a Cuban and, and Yalik over him in my rankings, and um, I would have taken Trout three overall, but I just I guess I never ended up uh, or or he went. No, that doesn't. Or he must. He he went one or two in some of the drafts where I had the third pick. Yeah, I only. I think I'm in 13 NFBC leagues. Maybe oh, I think this is 14 now. I had, dude. I, I I don't know. I just had terrible luck with KDS. I only had one. I think I've only had one top five pick. It was a number one, and I took Acuna because I I just needed to have a piece. But I, and I don't yeah. I, I don't play that's around. What I, that's I what I would do too. Yeah, I don't really play around. With it, although I'll be honest, if I had the number one pick now, maybe you and I could discuss this another time. If I had the number one pick right now, it's not Acuna. Uh, I think it's Yelich. I think he's the most well-rounded. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that. So are, are you off Trey Turner at third overall? Oh, no. I don't, oh, that was your original question. Of course, yeah. I, I changed in Trey. No, I think no, you did. I think I you did answer. I you like, did. No, no, I'm saying I like a lot of guys before him. No, I was saying I like – if I like – I like Lindor – Bellinger, Yelich, I mean, like, no, I, I can't take Turner before seven, let's say. You know what I mean? I just can't get there. I just can't get there. Uh, neither could I. And people, I've even heard talk on Twitter about um, Mondesi being first-rounder. Well, listen, I think, I think I'm listening to arguments of Mondesi with a first-round ceiling. But no, I'm not there yet. The furthest I could see pushing, again, I stress categorical builds, is man let's say let's say first pick you really wanted Garrett Cole okay or or Jacob DeGrom you wanted a pitcher 
then now you know you're devoid of power. So maybe you reach for Alvarez at the two, three rep. And then maybe you compliment him with Mondesi. So you see where I'm going, where you kind of took your first three picks and made like picks to the extreme. You got possibly the number one overall pitcher. You got possibly the number one overall power hitter. And then you got possibly number one, the overall steel threat. So I'm, I'm always entertaining arguments because, like I said, when we first started, I don't fall in love with any one player. I feel any player, any almost any player, has a place depending on his price to fit into a proper build that you can win with. So okay, let's 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 end the show on this. Let's look at our let's look at our battle of the podcast draft board because it's okay, a bunch of bunch of bunch of heavy hitters. Let's um first, first thing let's look at is the guy that took Mondesi. Not to single anyone out. We're not going to mention his name, but just how do you, I'm off on Mondesi no matter where, just because the eggs in one basket. I think you're just putting too many eggs in one basket to suspend that kind of pick. He did he did go at a relative value based on where I've seen him go before. He went at pick 3.10, so the 10th pick in the third round. But that individual also has Francisco Lindor, and they got Vladdy, which is sort of like I guess your like Jordan pick. So and oh, well, see that's that's my beef is if your first round pick has a strong base of speed such as Lindor, I would have paired it with a more balanced skill set. You know, I, I don't think I would have went with Mondesi. I guess I should have said, because he had steel, he kind of had some steals already, where like you're saying, Mondesi is an extreme. Now you have your second shortstop and the steals were already there. You know, I probably would have filled in what I don't see as a deep position in second base. And I would have taken one of those Second baseman that had fallen, you know, which is like Heyora, man, maybe but you did. You took you took Heyora. Yeah, well, that's mean. I couldn't believe he fell to me at the 14th pick of the third round. I couldn't that believe Paddock fell to you in the fifth in the fourth round. Yeah, that is not where that is not where those players are going generally. No. So I didn't really have them circled to draft, particularly at 14, because Heyora normally goes early in the third, you know, and and. Paddock would normally be gone before. I guess, what, do you really think I, I, I got him late? I, I got him early four. I thought, not to say I jumped Paddock, because if you have a wheel pick, it's 30 picks before you go again. So I don't know if I, I just, I just chose Paddock over glass now, but I wasn't sure if I made the right pick. Hello. Oh, hey, sorry, I was on mute. Sorry about yeah. that. All right. Uh, um, um, I, I think, um, I no, I, th I think you, I think you know, I don't think you jumped. Uh, I think you got a little bit of a value. I took. I was saying, I took Paddock in the, in the third round of uh, the other draft I was in in the same spot, um, and um, uh, yeah, you basically took him in the sp same spot because um, Prospect Jesus already had Bueller, so it'd be unlikely. You never know, but it'd be unlikely that he would pair Bueller with Paddock. Right. Um, so it was, it was a calculated risk waiting for that. But I think Paddock's generally been going in the, in the third round. And you see, we've seen the, the starting pitching was getting bumped up in this draft, allowing some of the hitters to fall. Um, so I think, he got, I think he got great values there in here in, in Paddock on the 3-4 on the turn there. Um, going back to Mondesi, like you're saying that, he, like, yeah, it's not the greatest fit on that team. 
if you look at all the teams, the first two, the first two picks of all the teams, what do you, where do you think Montessi would fit the best? Like in terms of team build, if you looked at all these teams, if you had to find a home for him and, and let me try and guess what you'd say, um, go ahead and all say, right, I let a little bit out of the bag already. Yeah, you did. So if you, if you had Cole and Freeman, yeah. So you were saying Toby's team might be the best fit for, for Montessi. Yeah, I think I think Mondesi would have fit perfectly on on Toby's team. He Toby, probably, Toby, would, he, Toby would never take him there. I don't think. He, right, right, right. And but it's funny he was probably thinking along those lines because his next pick was Victor Robles. So you know he was thinking along the lines of of category fill. He yeah. just was not satisfied with Mondesi for well, obvious reasons. Listen, there's holes in the in the profile. You know, he just has a potential to be the only steel source that you need. Right, a, a guy like Toby, I don't, I don't think he's comfortable with that bat, the batting average sink in the third yeah, round. Yeah, no, 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 you're right. Well, I don't know. Robles is a scary, has a scary floor also. True, but, true. Yeah, I, I think he would have fit there or, um, you know, with any of the teams that had two pitchers. So if you had two pitchers, I can yeah. see going for a, an, an elite steel source because, in my opinion, the easiest thing to find later is power. So had I gone upside pitching – then I could see going with big steals because then I'm going to focus on stick, stick, big stick. Any thoughts on this draft overall? Um, if we can look at your team, you took um, Tatis and Verlander as your first two picks from the 14th spot. And then, as you said, here on Paddock. And then any, any thoughts on your team or the rest of the draft? To me, it's less about the names as I kind of, you know, like I said, I went heavy pitching, balance, pitching, pitching, Power, 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 balance, you know, and then back to pitching. So that's really kind of how I look at it. To me, it's not to say they're inconsequential, but to me, where I grabbed Solaire, I thought about Gallo. You know, to me, they're kind of the same. And uh, Reyes, kind of the same thing. And, you know, it's just, it's just weird. I guess I do so many drafts and so much work on the stuff. I try and do as little prediction as possible. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know who it's going to be. So I just like to put myself in the best percentage chance, you know, how I perceive it. I think my, I'm happy with my team. I, I think, I think, <laughs> I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. I just, I'm really curious to see, you know, what, what, if any first, second, third rounders opt out of the season. And like, you know, I heard whispers about Flaherty. So I heard right that too. That, and that's what I mentioned that on the, the show yesterday. Yeah. So if you, I have a ton of, Dude, I have a ton of Jack Flaherty. So do I. Well, not a ton. I, he was one of my boys, but then he, he but he was going early. Yeah, yeah, I know. But you, it's funny, right? Uh, agreed. A guy like that that goes that high, you can't necessarily have these astronomical ownership percentages. But when you think about the draft capital that you spent for a guy that's not going to pick up the ball potentially, it, you know, I understand if it, that league leaves a sour taste in your mouth, you know. Oh, for sure. Like we were, we were talking about, um, I was talking with Matt and he's like, listen, he's, if you had a draft champions league that you drafted before and you had, you had, um, if you drafted Flaherty in the second and Syndergaard in the fourth, stick a fork in here. You're fucked. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's you're over. done. You're not, you're not recovering. He, he said, you're not recovering from that. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now there's a, yeah, there's a couple people, right? So if you had any, right. So if you had some Severino and I know he came with risk and you know, right, he's finished. Yep. Right. So you could. Those, I guess, maybe I have a little less because I and, and don't get me wrong, I own them also. So, you know, a little less uh, tolerance for the argument because they got hurt pitching. 
then like, you know, him, I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I understand, you know, it's a, it's a health concern and I'm not telling him to put, I, I refuse to prioritize for other people. And again, back to the initial, the giant circular loop of, you know, 4th of July coming up. It's very important for people to express their freedoms. And, and I love my family and I make my decisions based on that. And I fully expect and support everyone to do the same thing, regardless of how it may affect my fantasy teams, you know, which are rather inconsequential in the grand scheme. <laughs> I'm on the clock again, man. Can I oh, have yeah, we... listen to you? This time I'm taking your advice no matter what you say. I need a reliever. And to me, a lot of these guys are a blob. So if you oh, have I'm in- I am I'm biased. Okay, let's let's end the podcast on your pick. Okay. Because I actually, well, I, I just, let's, let's just preface this by saying that I just, okay, so right I, I just, I just took, I just, Hector Neris fell to me. Like he fell super far because he okay, is. I like Neris, although he's, isn't he's, he sick? That's yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got the coronavirus. It's just the okay. flu. It's just, just, John, it's just the flu. Well, I mean, again, I don't want to say this. <laughs> I, well, I mean, listen, I was avoiding personal stuff. Um, my mother and father both had it. And I really hadn't talked about this in public. Um, my father, mother and father both had it. And they're both old and have both recovered. So I like to think that a, you know, peak physical condition athlete will recover just fine. I understand the concern is more about him staying away and infecting other people, but that may not disclude him from still practicing on his work if he's feeling up to it as he approaches 14 days. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so whatever, we kind of tangent. Okay, so you're looking at... Okay, so, okay, so I want you to rank the blob. Okay, this is analyst on analyst stuff. People are getting inside the mind of, of me. I personally hate closers. I like to put them off as far as possible. I think I can find them in a season. I think I'll be able to find them in a short season. In draft champions, you don't have that luxury. I think in order to compete, and particularly for an overall, you need guys that are going to at least get saves to start because every single save might be the difference of at least one category place. Okay, you're, you're, pick, you're pick 167 here. There's a blob. And then, there was a blob. And you're okay. you're fortunate because a lot of these closers have fallen to pick 167, which they never do. Usually around one pick, one pick 160, a lot of these guys are gone. So the guys you're tell me the guys you're looking at. Okay, so uh, Will Smith is the first on the board. I don't love him because I think there's challenge for the job there. Yeah. I'm more focused on role. So for me, it's Jose Leclerc, who I I really like, but wasn't he wasn't very good last year. Archie Bradley, who wasn't very good, but the number, the surface numbers were okay, but I know people hate, or Ian Kennedy. Now, hold on, before you rank those guys for me, or I get Joe Jimenez, who I have so much Jimenez, I'd like to avoid him at this point, so I'd like to stay with these guys. Zach, do you think I should strictly be worrying about skill set, role? I will add another caveat, is right now my guy in the lead is Bradley, because I think that I like Ginkle later on. You know what I mean? Like almost, should I be thinking about handcuffs? Should people draft? Yes, yes. I think especially now more than ever with um, all this ah. coronavirus. Yes, handcuffs are more important than ever. And what am I considering? Okay, so go through those. Listen, so listen, me, it's okay, look, look, Leclerc, first of all, um, Jeff Zimmerman, Zimmerman does mine in the news. He had something about that he, like, Leclerc may be used in like multiple different innings. So like he might not be like the set closer is the latest thing I've heard about him. Okay, I'm glad you said that. Who's next in line? The Rangers are very muddy. I've seen... DeMar- uh, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Evans. Remember that guy? 
The guy, no. with the, the guy uh, we we talked about him. You looked him up. His stats are like off the charts. Is he's in Double A? Um, he has like twenty strikeouts. Um, he has like a twenty K per nine. <laughs> no, he's not even on. The, he's not on the roster, so he would have to make the roster first. Okay, I don't know. So, anyways, yeah, there's not really a clear backup for him. Yeah, right that's now. what I think. That was the point. There's not a clear backup. But I think Archie Bradley's great because um, I think guys like him um, that like have the that are going to clearly have that set role of the ninth inning, and at least they're going to be given that chance. Like even put Wade Davis in that category, and a guy that um, I just took for the first time in another draft is Craig Kimbrell. I was off on him, but. He's going to be given that opportunity, and they're not going to. They're not I going agree to, with the role. I do agree. They're not going to. They're not going to fuck around with him. Yeah, um, I agree. And he's like he's going to have to. He's going to have to really fuck up to lose that job or get injured. Um, so he's going to have that um, ninth inning on a silver now, platter. Now, 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 Kennedy. I feel like Kennedy. Kennedy's got, he's got trade. He's got trade risk. They got Rosenthal there. I'm. A, I would not take him. Um, I think. Like I think, and you also have to look at the how easy it is to obtain their backup. So yeah, very good. Uh, I agree. Um, who else is? Well, I guess no one else really has like a back. You think uh, Rondon is is in the mix? I know they brought they brought him in and they whispered about it, but like what, t- I, what, t- I, what team? Oh, we're talking. About, oh, Arizona because we're talking about Bradley, right? They, that they, they, brought they, got, they Hector, took they, they brought in Hector Rondon. I didn't even know that. Yeah, the 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 Diamondbacks brought in Hector Rondon. Oh, really? They also brought in Junior Guerra. Not worried. Um, not, worried not, 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 not worried about that. Okay, so you're not worried about that. I know our boy, if I was choosing, it'd be Ginkle. Yeah. Now, maybe yeah. I have to go and grab Rondon with, like, the 50th pick. I'm not a tremendous fan of getting three guys from the same bullpen, but I guess if I had those three guys, I'd feel pretty safe. But I don't like to use three picks. Three picks out of 50 for uh, a couple of saves might be overspending. Yeah. Um... But I think Gink, see, I, see, now, what I would say to people who are um, – going through the same kind of mental calculus is I think my answer is Archie Bradley. And I think my answer is Ginkle because if I, if anything, I want a guy that's going to give me those ratios that we talked about where, you know, Ginkle could get those four innings, seven K's, no earned runs and a win. Yep. Where that would put him in line with the SP ones for the week. So I think I'm gonna. I think adding all those things together, I'm going with Bradley, and uh, that's why. All right, cool. And that was a lot of lot of good info here today. I hope people get to the end. Yeah, um, I think did that. How long did we go? We went. I said half an hour, and we only went an hour and a half. Only, only. Oh, yeah. So I think this is this is great. Thanks a lot, John. I know you're busy day. I had a, I had a, I had an awesome time. I feel, I feel bad. I didn't. Um, I didn't. Um, really warning that we're going to go this long, but somehow I think we're just, we just, um, we're just, no, we just jive. We just jive so well that we just, we just keep talking and talking. And that's, no, what's, that's, that's what's happening now. So um, I might, I might just pump out the podcast, you know, um, Craig's away. So we don't have uh, any, uh, um, anyone to put in the background music until like, he gets back from his. That's fine. So I might just pump out the podcast right away and forget about any background intro music. Yeah, that works for me. I'm super excited, man. I am so busy. I have, you know, I'm doing the podcast, turn to podcast with Matt every week, um, writing for The Athletic. I got some new stuff coming out. I'm telling you, man, I think it's going to be really good because I'm really passionate about it. And I think I have a good argument. 
So uh, those are you passionate? No way. So yeah, 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 really. I'm I'm really happy. I'm really happy for you. I'm happy that you're continuing to to do to do baseball stuff, and I'm happy we got it back. And the Turn Two podcast, it's on my my playlist. The Turn Two, I love it. You and Matt, you and Matt do a great job. That's that's one. I before right, I had my my initial tease for the athletic here. Yeah. And now I have have another tease. I can't announce. I have a huge. I have a huge announcement next week. Uh, I, have some I, feel, I feel like uh, Barbara Walters or Oprah. Yeah, I have some special stuff. I have some really special stuff lined up for this baseball season. I am going to just go absolutely nuts. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, John. Well, let's end it on that. And uh, thanks very much. Uh, get, catch John's work on The Athletic, the Turn 2 podcast with Matt Williams. That's a really good podcast. Better, MLB, better, better. Yeah. If, you're, if, you're listening to this, if you're listening to this podcast, I don't know why you wouldn't be listening to that Turn 2 because it's clearly better. But um, 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 yeah, agreed. And then follow him at MLB Moving Average. MLB Moving AVG. Thank you so much. Average isn't spelled out. So anyways, John, thanks again for your time. I know we went over it, but I appreciate it. I love talking to you. Love you. And we'll talk to you later. <laughs> all right. Bye. All right, Zach. Um, I'm going to get out of here, all right? Because we ran a little long. Okay. i talk to you soon. Thanks again. All right. Bye-bye.